been in a series um, called Surrendered, and uh, it is a, a real fun series because how many of you guys know it's, it's really exciting to wave that white flag? We all love that, you know? I mean, there's nothing, all growing up, we're taught that uh, the best thing to do is to play a game of war as kids and to be the ones that get to wave the white flag, right? And say, I've been defeated, I, I'm giving up, I'm waving the flag. But you know, the this, this series isn't about just giving up and quitting. The idea is we're saying, you know what? I'm waving this white flag and saying, I'm done trying to do this in my own strength. God, I need you. I want to surrender this to you, and I want to trust in your ways. I want to trust in your wisdom. I want to trust in your power. Um, I, I don't want to keep fighting it and stressing about it on my own. And uh, so we went through, um, the first one we did was just on trust, just trusting God. Uh, the second one was lordship, just trusting, uh, surrendering to the lordship uh, of, of, of Christ and, and our futures, how many of you guys, uh, you sometimes wonder about your future, you know, uh, whether you're young and it's like, dear God, what's going to happen? Um, I remember as a kid, I was always stressing about my future. It was in the, the 80s and everybody always wanted to talk about the end times and Jesus was coming back. But let me tell you, it never sounded exciting that Jesus was going to come back. I, my body was going to break out in boils and uh, there was just going to be persecution everywhere. And sometime he was going to show up in this great light and then we would all be in heaven but I was like, hey, you know, I want to get married, and, um, which really meant I wanted to have sex. But, uh, you know, I want to grow up. I want to have a career. I want to have kids. You know, I want to accomplish things, this and that. Uh, but we wonder about our futures or different transitions happen in our life, and we don't know what, what's going to happen next. You know, what's around the corner and um, so many unknowns so we surrender that, and then we discussed uh, surrendering our rights and how we can a lot of times feel like we have a right to something. I have a right to hold a grudge. I have a right to, to be angry about this. I have a right to never want to talk to that person again. I have a right, but to say, you know, God, I'm surrendering that to you because ultimately I want to be your hands and feet. It's really hard for me to be his hands and feet if I have all these rights where I say, well, I don't have to talk to you guys and never want to look at you and I can't stand you and I'll give you about three seconds. And well, I just limited how God wants to flow through me. But it's because I have these rights. And I'm not talking about, we weren't talking about wisdom. We weren't talking about discernment. We weren't talking about healthy boundaries. But there's a difference between God giving us a healthy boundary versus me standing on all these rights that I believe I have. So today, uh, really exciting. I know this is just going to pump us all up. We're talking about surrendered, and what we're going to surrender is our control. Huh? How many control freaks? Come on, I'm one of them. That's why I got both hands up. Um, surrendering our control. So what, what is our control? It's, you know, it's a lot of times it's when we want to control our circumstances um, and many times where we can get the most controlling is when we feel like it's a battle, okay? It's, it's when we're involved in something, whether it's a relationship, uh, maybe it's a character struggle in our own life, uh, maybe like a sin, uh, maybe it's health, financial, maybe we feel resistance. Um, I know for myself, the, 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 the greater the, the squeeze, the pressure, 
the more my initial reaction is to control it. Because I, I panic. I, I worry. I get anxious. And so I, I want to try to do it in my own strength. I want to try to figure it out. But to, to surrender those things to God and to trust in him. Now, you know, a lot of times if it's something simple, um, God has given us the tools to, to you know, know that, okay, my gas gauge is near empty. He gave me wisdom to know that it's probably a good time to swing by a gas station. And so I can solve that problem, okay? I mean, there's certain things like that, but there's others that I can't force it to happen. I can't force that person that uh, just keeps saying accusations about me and false things about me. I can't force them to stop. I can't force more money to come into my bank account. My wife's homesick with she's just been getting hit harder and harder every month with different allergies and different things going on in her body. I can't force that to change. And she can't force it to change. So there's some things where we don't have the power. Yet, because maybe we're scared or we're anxious, we, we want to. And so we hold on to it tight. But there's actually freedom in taking that flag not giving up and just sitting back and doing nothing, but waving that flag and saying, Lord, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to surrender my control to you. You know, in my life, um, whether it be selfishness, whether it be lust, anger, control, being overwhelmed, disappointment, insecurity, those have all been things that have hit me. But, you know, one of the greatest ways I found to overcome those things in my life, this, this would be for me, is through praise. Because what praise did is it takes my attention off myself. It also reminds me that God is bigger than my situation. But praise also brings me to a place of going deeper in love with God. You know, it's hard for me to not to stay at the same level of love with my wife um, when writing her love letters. That's why I don't write them, because I just like exactly where we are and, you know, <laughs> why shake a good thing, you know? No. But, you know, it's when you engage in that, when I do begin to pin a card, begin to write something out, um, I'm more of a texter, so typing it out, uh, it, 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 it sparks something in me because it reminds me of who she is. It reminds me of how I feel. And it's the same way with praise with God. It reminds us of who he is. And, it, and it, something begins to rise up within us, and there comes a deeper love. I remember for me with, with lust, one of the, the greatest things, it wasn't, um, you know, in not knocking an accountability group or different things or going, to a, a, um, a, going through a curriculum or a book or this or that. What I found in myself is that lust was caused because, you know, anything that we try to fill, any kind of addiction, whether it's substance or no matter what it is, we're filling something. We're filling a gap. And God wants to fill that gap. 
And uh, I remember as a man how hard it was to realize I want to fall in love with Jesus. Because it seemed kind of wrong. How, how do I, how do I, how's, how's God, if God's male and, and think, you know, you think through all these things, Jesus is a guy. How do I, how do I have this intimate, loving relationship in that way? But you know what? He wants to fill every part of me and to fall deeper and deeper in love with him. My anger, my temper, the deeper I fell in love with him, the more I saw that those desires, those temptations, those, those character responses, those different things, I'm not saying it just fixes everything, but man, it sure changes the atmosphere. And so we submit our control to him. In uh, Psalms 22, verse 3, it says, Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Some will, you know, it'll be said as the praises of his people. We are his people. And so as we lift up praise, there's, there's, there's a, uh, it also will use the word, some translations will use the word inhabits. So enthroned, so we, we're putting God on the throne. Inhabiting is, there's um, uh, uh, God coming and dwelling within us, in being there in us. And there's something about sitting and remaining as we begin to praise him and as we begin to glorify him, um, but also putting him on the throne in our life. And that happens as we praise. As we lift up praise, we're saying, God, I want you to be the leader of my life. Because we're saying that, you know, we're exalting him above ourselves. When I sit and just think about my problems, all those different things, I'm keeping myself up here. I'm keeping myself, my, I'm focused on, on myself. But as I begin to lift him up through praise, I'm exalting him and I am enthroning him in that way. So I believe that, you know, we can give up without praise and we can, we can fight without praise, but I don't believe we can truly surrender to God without praise is my personal belief. To truly come to a place of surrender, if I really believe that God is greater than this battle I'm in, to truly surrender doesn't just mean that I sit back and say, well, let's just see what happens. Or, you know what, I'm just going to lay down. They can just walk all over me. But, man, what a true surrender comes when I walk away from the battle and just begin to, I'm going to glorify him. I'm going to praise him in spite of what I see, in spite of what I feel. I'm going to give it all to him in that way. In uh, 2 Chronicles 5, 13 through 14, and I'm reading out of the New American Standard today. It says, in unison, when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, he indeed is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting, then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. So that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. 
This is when they had just built the temple. They had brought in the ark and in their, in their basically uh, uh, kind of getting things kicked off there. But there's something that changes in the atmosphere when we praise. And it fills. There's an inhabitation that takes place. I know I've gone to different services where there was like great worship and, you know, I feel like, man, something changed and I'll go home and then I start to kind of feel the same. I'm still serving the same God. So that didn't change. I didn't really change a whole lot. What changed is I was no longer exalting him. But you know what? We don't have to be in a setting like this to to praise God and to worship him. Man, it can be just you. It can be you in your terrible off-key flat voice. How many off-key flat voicers? Most of you aren't that self-aware, so you probably don't even know if it's you. But just ask the person next to you. They just stood next to you for several songs, and uh, they'll be honest. Yeah, I'm sorry, it is you. Second Corinthians uh, 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit... And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Remember Dave Miner used to always talk about this verse. And he would say, um, where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty. With the idea that where we make, if you want liberty in an area of your life, you want freedom in an area of your life, make the spirit Lord of that area of your life. And that's not just a confession. It's an attitude. And it's an action. And one of the most powerful ways of making the spirit Lord of an area is to praise him in that area of your life. But man, we want liberty. And so we're we're, we're surrendering control because we're not going to get that liberty in our own strength. And just by holding on a little tighter, grit your teeth a little harder, focus a little bit more, bring your eyebrows a little bit closer, and somehow it's going to happen. No, we surrender and we find that liberty. You know, the sign of the the Spirit's presence is liberty. How many of you have been in a a service where, you know, you can be in a service and um, the music just sounds right and everything is just great and you can maybe get a little goosebumps. You You can feel, say, the anointing. But man, there is something when you begin to make the spirit Lord of your life, there becomes a freeness inside of you. And none of your circumstance changed. What changed was your focus. So liberty doesn't always look like what we think. And we kind of went through that on the trust one, that I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. We have to remember that uh, just because where the spirit is, there is liberty, doesn't mean that it looks exactly the way you maybe had hoped it would look. But what it's changes is changing something on the inside of you. John one uh, chapter one verse five says the, the the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In John eight. Verse 12, it says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of of life. So Jesus is the light of the world. 
and he lives in us. Now, I, I, I think of some of those different areas of my life as kind of, let's call them like dark spots, okay? I got some caves in my mind. I got some caves in my spirit and my heart. I got some, some places that don't always shine the brightest. But, you know, I've never overcome those areas by blocking them off. They just become a little bit darker. The only way I bring light into those dark areas is to bring the spirit and to bring the light of the world into that area of my life. So I can't just close it off and say it doesn't exist and I'm resisting it. There's not resisting. We turned off all the lights. We could try to resist the darkness in this room. But until we bring up the lights, it's going to be dark in this room. But man, when we release the light of the world and we let that light shine, it changes the atmosphere. And so each one of us, we have the light of the world in us. I believe that when we praise, it begins to illuminate that light. We begin to take off anything that is maybe deflecting it, maybe getting in the way of it. We begin to put a little more power into it. Well, we, if you go back, we went, you know, in, in first, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 5, what took place when they started to sing? His presence began to fill, and there was such a thick cloud in the room. Why? Because they praised. There was no special, magical thing that took place. It was just praise. They filled the place with praise. And so it got a little brighter and it got a little brighter. You know, lights are only as good as you use them. That one's from me. (laughs) I knew you guys were going to want a catchy phrase. Stayed up all night for that one. No, but it's only as good as you use it. If it's dark outside and you're hiking through the woods and you got a cliff, the flashlight you have is only as powerful as you turning it on. You can have it in your hand. There can be a light bulb in it. There can be batteries in it. So there's power. The power is in the flashlight. The light is attached. All it's waiting for is a willing vessel who would push the button. Maybe turn the top, slide the lever, whatever it is. Just waiting for someone to take that action. We have the light of the world in us. We have power. We have the Holy Spirit in us. They're there. The batteries are there. The light bulb is there. All the pieces are there. But because we have freedom of choice and a free will, we have to be the ones to say, okay, I'm going to press the button. I'm going to illuminate the light. And I believe one of the most powerful ways to do that is to praise. And it's to say, there's this darkness, there's this situation, but I'm going to praise God above this.
Chris Hodges, in his book, Fresh Air, he says, both prayer and worship change our view of reality by expanding our awareness of God's presence and reminding us to look beyond what we can see with our eyes. When we worship, we often begin with our world feeling so big and all-consuming and God seeming so small and in the distance of our lives. I can walk into church a lot of times like that, into a service like that, this. My, my world is big. My, my struggles are big. What I feel is big. And I know God's there, but he just seems kind of so far away. You know, the sun is massive, but it, it doesn't look that big because it's pretty darn far away. You look at a, why, do, why, why, why can trains be so deceptive? Because they're actually really big and they're moving really fast, but when they're far away, they just seem kind of tiny. Because it's in a distance. Yet, after we've worshipped, our perspective has righted itself and we realize just how big he is and how small we are. It changes our perception. Because we're not looking inward, we're looking to him. We're enthroning. We're saying, God, I want to make you bigger than what I'm, what's, what I'm going through right now. You could say, you know, it's focusing on the ability versus the disability. The ability is who God is in you and what he wants to do. So again, in Psalms 22, verse 3. Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, upon the praises of the people. Last week, Laura Truitt felt God gave her an impression, uh, just kind of a word for the church, and she had uh, emailed it to me. And um, just want to read it. It says, this morning I kept hearing the Spirit repeating, Where there is great darkness, I want to shine a great light. Last night I finished reading a book detailing the atrocities committed in the country of Iraq under ISIS. I was thinking about Iraq this morning, pondering how to pray for them. As I was thinking, I saw a sun arise over their flag, and I felt God say, Do you think I cannot penetrate the darkness? Do you think evil scares me? Do you think I am too small to free a nation? And I felt he wanted us to know that where there has been great darkness, he wants to shine a great light. In the places of our life where darkness has surrounded us, maybe it's abuse or chronic illness, death, disease, addiction, whatever it is, whatever it is, God is greater. He's not afraid of the dark. He's here today and he wants to shine a great light. Do you believe that? You think about those areas in your life. You think about those those spots. I got a ton of them. They're not going to go away just because I I put up another, you know, uh, I shut the door and I just make it darker. They're going to go away because I surrender the control and I decide, okay, I'm going to press the button. I'm going to engage the power that Christ has already given, that the Holy Spirit has already put into me. And I'm going to energize it by fixing my attention on him and praising and worshiping and exalting. So, you know, I don't know what your what you would consider your battle. 
We all come in here, different backgrounds and different life experiences going on right now in our life. But what I do know is that God is bigger. It's not that just because you, we stand up and we do another song that somehow your problem disappears and you're going to walk out of these doors and your little beater that you drove in is going to be a brand new vehicle. <laughs> your house that's too small is now going to be way too big. You're going to be like, what do I do with all this space? The health issue, the finances, you're going to look at your bank account and you're going to realize that Forbes just declared you the second richest person in the world. <laughs> it doesn't mean that. You know, that's something that we've definitely learned this year as a community, as a church family, is that just because we put our hope in Jesus doesn't mean that now bad things don't happen, yeah. that life doesn't happen. Because that really wouldn't be faith. If it was, hey, join this club, say you believe in Jesus, and nothing magically, nothing else is ever going to happen. No, we still go through things. The difference is, is we have a hope. The difference is we have a faith. The difference is, is we can wave a white flag not saying, I give up, bury me now. But we wave a white flag and we begin to praise and we say, God, I can't believe how much you love me. And God, that I get to worship you through this, knowing, Lord, that you are greater, that you are bigger. So what it really does is it changes our outlook. Because like I read earlier, it puts things into the right perspective where he's not far away and our problems are so big. All of a sudden we see how big he is. And how little our problem is. Again in that book Fresh Air. He says if you are trying to fight temptations. By working on self-control. You're working on the wrong thing. I'm all for living a disciplined life. But there's a better way. Temptation is a test of your relationship. Not your self-control. Whether or not you pray. Does not depend on your self-control. It does however reveal your relationship with God. Do you really want to talk to God? And better still, do you want to listen and hear what he wants to say to you? So I just want to encourage us, because I believe that this whole idea of praising, and it's what we did today, exalting God is something God wants to do in us as a, as a church, as a community. That we would be a people where in our own lives, that we wouldn't let our circumstances, we wouldn't be dictated by our feelings and our emotions, and that those things determining how good God is. But we would decide, we say this a lot, that we're going to be atmosphere setters in our own life, in an environment like this, you know, the, the team had a couple glitches today, a little miscues between each other. You know, you could look at that if we were here at a performance and you could say, I don't know what you did with your team today, Isaac, should have practiced a little bit more. I want my money back. 
You know, we don't come for a performance. We come to worship our king. And it really doesn't matter how many miscues there are. Those, those things don't dictate my heart. It really doesn't matter about the person that's sitting next to you right now whose voice is just horrific. What matters is what do you want to lift up to God? You know, we sing a lot of songs. There's a lot of great songs out there that are, that are ministry. And they're great for, I love listening to in my car. I love listening to in my home. They, they, they do something in an atmosphere. But just because they encourage me in my faith does not mean that it's praise to who God is. And there is something where we got to get back to where we praise God for who he is. And it's not about singing a song about what he can do for me. Because that is still putting my problems and making myself bigger than him. Versus saying, God, no, my attention is on you and your greatness. In your kingdom, in your purpose. And I really believe that as a church, what God, God wants to ignite something in us personally and individually, but in us corporately to begin to praise Him to a greater level. And that through that praise, we create an atmosphere where God can do what he wants to do. Because just like we read in 2 Chronicles, he comes and he fills the place. Like we read in Psalms, he inhabits. He comes and dwells. He comes and he comes and he sits there and he relaxes. He says, oh, this is good. This is good. Will you guys stand to your feet?